the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, there's going to be more and more pressure for us to become more and more distant from His presence. I've already started my sermon. I'm going to preach to you tonight out of the book of Nehemiah, if the Lord will be my help. But uh, I want to just kind of deal with where we're at in the spirit of the day. We're going to Nehemiah chapter 4, and I'll read there in a few moments. But I want you to just stay with me right now at the opening of this lesson tonight. I, I don't know exactly where we're going to end up before the night is over. Um, but I, I do know this much. I do know this much. The Lord is not coming back for a church that is less than it was when he left it. Am I helping anybody yet? We... <laughs> We somehow have this mindset that there is some kind of uh, heroism in saying that we're standing for the Lord in the last day. Um, I'm not really quite sure that we really understand because it's just sometimes ink on paper to us what the church had to go through to get started. And with all of the things that we have faced uh, in our lives, especially the last couple of years being very odd, if nothing else, just odd, just weird. Our society is strange. It's weird. But we've seen nothing in comparison to what the early church had to deal with. And it's like our, our temptation seems to be that we just... Uh, we're going to pull the hero card and just endure to the end. Uh, hopefully the Lord will get us out of here before there's any trouble. You know, and this is kind of the mindset. Now I pray that too. The Lord said to pray it in Luke. He said, pray that you may be counted worthy to escape these things. I want that. But I, I want to deal with you tonight uh, from what I believe is a spirit, not of the age, but a spirit that's in the church. And I'm going to kind of come out swinging pretty hard from the beginning and then I'm going to bring you into the text of where we are tonight but I want you to notice the spirit of lethargy that creeps into the church and how it works on us I was in a conversation with a pastor this week and we were discussing some things it wasn't like a, a negative conversation it was kind of just relative to where we are and the statement was made in that conversation concerning people that stress themselves out in their lives. They get like stretched out in debt. They get stressed out in their jobs. Their lives are really a mess. Their, their house payment's too big. They drive a car that's too much of a payment. And they're all stressed out nonstop. They don't know how to take time and rest. And, and they're having to work all kinds of overtime just to pay for the life that they long to build. And when they, when they finally come to wit's end, They'll come to pastor and say, I feel like I need to take a break from ministry. I feel like I need to take a break from my Sunday school class. 
I want you to consider this thought with me if you would. And I know, I know, this is like saying pastors only work two days a week. But a Sunday school teacher, uh, not counting the preparation for that class, we start at 10 o'clock, go from 10 to 1040. Uh, th those 40 minutes cannot be the most stressful 40 minutes of your week. Am I, am I helping you right? I need to take a break from the choir, Pastor. I'm just stretched too thin. You're talking about an hour on a Thursday night and about 45 minutes on a Sunday night. And that's what has us stressed out. It's not. But it's what the enemy wants us to believe. The scripture is explicit that in the end time, he is going to do his best to wear out the saints. To wear out the saints. Brother Jordan touched on this on Sunday morning, and uh, I believe this with all my heart. I have preached this and taught this in this church, that a human being only has so much of an emotional reservoir that you can use. And once that's exhausted, it's exhausted. And I feel like that's why our families, our homes, our marriages, our relationship with God are so tested at times because... We have learned to expend our emotional energy in places that really bring little to no return at all in our lives. The American dream has rubbed off on the American church. And that spirit that existed at one time in America was get out of high school, get yourself a good job, get a nice home, get you a family, work until you retire, Hold your grandkids and die. That's basically the American dream. And that has really fallen into the church. Come into the church. Get the Holy Ghost. Get baptized in Jesus' name. Come to church every time the doors are open. And wait on the Lord to just come back and get us out of here. But Jesus said for us to occupy until he comes. That does not mean occupy space. That does not mean occupy a pew. It is a militant word of occupation that you are to take possession, dominion of something. You occupy a city. The Lord said, the reason I'm putting breath in your lungs and the reason why you are alive right now. I could have picked Peter, James, and John to be alive right now but I didn't I picked Peter and James and John and Paul to help get the church started but I picked you I selected you to help get the church out of here I need some people saith the Lord that will occupy until I come you're not sitting around waiting on the trumpet to sound if the Lord were to come back tonight would he find us sitting and gazing and waiting? Or would he come back and find us so hungry and loving his appearing that we want to tell everybody we can, Jesus is coming. And so what I, what I really want to get to tonight, and I don't know how, again, I don't know how far I'll get in this, but there is a spirit of resignation that has rested on so many people in this hour. And I want this to be crystal clear. This, I'm, I'm taking you to kindergarten 101, 
apostolic teaching right here for just a minute. But there is a spirit of resignation that has rested on so many, and I'm afraid because it's on so many in the church world, that it is what it is. What's going to happen is going to happen. Let's just sit back and bide our time until the Lord comes back. You know, I, I, uh, I've heard guys talking about what are we going to do on the next shutdown. As if that's an option. Am I, am I making any sense? The church is just going to take a sabbatical and a rest. The more pressure that the world puts on us. Is that not counterproductive to the scripture? Some just are resigned. Well, you know, they're going to push on us and we're just going to have to lay low and stay under the radar. We're just going to have to lay low and wait on the Lord to come back and rescue us. Listen, heaven was never intended to be our exit strategy from trouble. Heaven was our reward for enduring to the end. I'm not waiting on the Lord to come back just to get us out of the corruption of the earth. No, no, no. I'm waiting on the Lord to come back and find me busy. I know this may sound crazy to you, but I found myself over the last couple of months not just saying, come on, get us, Jesus, but I've been praying, God, give us a little more time. Give us just a little more time. Open the mission field one more time. God, open the borders one more time. Give us another Bible study one more time. I'm not resigned to the fact that it's over I want revival you may think I'm a nut it may be your prayer every day hurry and come get us hurry and come get us I'm telling you my soul is not satisfied just yet I know it's going to be a beautiful day when the trumpet sounds but I haven't seen the harvest that I want to see I haven't seen your children pray back through I haven't seen your lost family walk through the door God give us a little time I feel something in here tonight. I've been so convicted by my, excuse me if I sound like I'm being mean, I'm talking about me tonight, by my weak, heartless prayers that say, Lord, just please get us out. I've searched the scripture far and wide, and we could go story after story, narrative after narrative. That it's often in the lives of those who have the greatest faith in God that there is no extraction from their trouble. Only strength and grace to endure the trouble. Yes, I've preached all my life. That if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it shall, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But when I get to heaven, I'd like to ask Abraham, what about your mountain that didn't move? It'd be beautiful if the Lord would cast every mountain into the sea. But some mountains, it's not His will for the mountain to be moved. It's not His will 
for the mountain to be removed. It's his will for me to climb the mountain with that promise in my hand saying, Lord, I really don't know how you're going to do this. I really don't know how I'm coming back from this. I really don't know how we're going to rise from this. I really don't know how our families are going to recover from this. But I've got enough faith that if I'll hold on to the promise with this hand and I'll follow you, Lord, everything is going to be all right. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know. There's a lot that I don't know. But I do know him. And that's enough. I've come to tell you tonight, FPC, I've got a promise that I can hold on to. I've been given a promise of revival. I've been given a promise of harvest. God has promised your children and we're not sitting down until they walk through the door. not throwing off on anybody because these are conversations we've all had but I received a text last night from another disheartened pastor who said man I wish this would just all go away here's the truth brother Haney it's not write it down if you want to if you're a note taker write it down call the prophecy if you want to the enemy is not going to stop pushing. And if you think you've seen him push, you haven't seen anything yet. But I feel like in the council of heaven's throne room with God and his angels, there have been some spirits passing to and fro saying, who can I touch next? Who can I get to next? I'm telling you there's some dark days ahead and there's some struggles ahead. But on the other side of the struggle, there is a breakthrough like we have never seen. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm. How are you sleeping right now? Oh, you have little faith. I was resting just fine. But where is your faith? And then he speaks a twofold command peace, be still. I wasn't there, so I didn't see how Jesus said it, and I didn't see how he did it. But that passage really feels like a twofold command. It's almost like maybe peace and be still were not to the same thing. Have you ever wondered if maybe Jesus looked at those men and said, Where's your faith? Peace. And then looks at the waves and said, Be still. It is not our ability to be extracted in times of trouble that make us faithful. It is our ability to be steadfast and unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, even in the face of trouble. 
even in the face of adversity even when our prayers have not been answered and we thought they should have been answered six months ago 12 months ago hey I'm telling you right now your prayers have not fallen on deaf ears the throne room of heaven is still wide open and God has listened to every prayer that you have prayed he's seen every tear that you have cried into your pillow at night you are not alone you are not forgotten you are not forsaken and so we come to Nehemiah the fourth chapter and 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 I'm, I'm going to get here some way somehow tonight but Nehemiah has made his way to Jerusalem Ezra has been there they have built a house for the Lord and now as Nehemiah walks onto the picture, Ezra has brought them in to Israel and he's doing his best to clean them up. You guys put away your strange wives, get rid of these, get, get, let's get this out, let's, let's make this stop. And, and, and Nehemiah kind of comes on, he says, okay, here's the cure. We've got the temple fixed, we, we, we built the church, we've got the house of God prepared. Nehemiah says, here's the issue, we need some walls. <laughs> we got to we got, we got to get some walls here. How many of you tonight believe that Nehemiah was in the will of God to build walls around the city again? Do you believe that? Do you believe it was the will of God to just leave his people wide open? To just leave the, the, the house of God wide open? I, I, I don't believe it. I believe that Nehemiah was in the perfect will of God to lead these people to build the wall. Verse 4, or, or chapter 4, verse 1. But it came to pass, if I could say it like this, we all agreed in the room that when Sanballat heard that we were doing the will of God, when Sanballat heard that we were walking in the perfect will of God, he was wroth and he took great indignation and he mocked the Jews. Ladies and gentlemen, you just go ahead and prepare your heart that in this end time, everything holy and sacred and righteous that we have stood for will be mocked. They're making fun of your marriage if you're a man married to a woman or vice versa. They're making fun of our children that decided that they're just going to be the sex that God made them. They make fun of our righteous preaching. They say we're all a bunch of closed-minded fools. They act like we're just a bunch of ignoramus that don't know anything about life. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. There's some folks in this house tonight that could tell you a few things about the real life. There's some folks that could tell you. They know what it's like out there. But there is no feeling in this world like being delivered and being a child of God. There's nothing in this world that compares to the presence of the Lord. Now the rest of this story is sad. I'm going to ask you not to look at your Bibles because I really want to mislead you right here. So don't read your own Bible, okay? So here's what happened. Sam Ballot came 
and pushed against Nehemiah and mocked the Jews and made fun of them. And so they got together and had a general board meeting. And they decided in the general board meeting that they needed an executive board meeting. And when they got in the executive board meeting, the executives got together and said, I think we need a smaller meeting than this. So they got an executive council. They put four committees together and they started talking about this. And this was what the executive committee decided. We're not going to build if the enemy's going to push. Don't, don't you look at your Bible right now. I'm trying to preach to you. <laughs> I'm about to get in trouble. I feel it coming. Mm. Oh, I, I just, I'm just curious. How far some people are really willing to go. And I've, I've had this conversation in private. I don't know how many times. Brother Lang, you and I have talked about it since we were kids. I've talked with some of these young preachers in this church. How far will we really be willing to go in the end time to extend a hand of fellowship just so that we don't feel like we're alone? I'm just curious. Like, how far are we willing to flex? How much doctrine are we willing to give up on? Oh, God. I mean, what, what are we willing to go through? And I don't have, listen, I'm not shooting at anybody. I, there's no problems that I know of. I'm just talking to you tonight. How far are some preachers willing to go just to hold on to their card in an organization like the UPC or the ALJC or what? Just I, I can't be a preacher without a license. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have fellowship. I, I got to reading in the book of Acts. I was looking for the UPC in the book of Acts. And uh, I, could, I just couldn't find it in there. I got to looking in there. I was trying to find. Uh, I, I got in there. Somebody said it's in there, Brother Lang. But I got to looking for Tioga camp meeting in there in, in Louisiana. And I couldn't find it anywhere in the scripture. And I'm trying to figure out how in the world these people... Turned their world upside down without a single general conference. <laughs> These kids are like, Psh, I already went one summer without a camp. I ain't never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure it was the spirit of God you were pursuing. I'm, I'm, certain, I'm certain of it behind the swing set. Understand my motive tonight. I'm not here to clean anybody's clock. I'm not. I'm not here to clean house. I'm just telling you what I what I'm dealing with in the end time. Like, how far are we really willing to go to just finally we just give up and say, look, it's never been popular to just stay the course ever, ever, never. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. My brother-in-law preached one time the lullaby of the Broadway. Remember that message? The broad way is always the easy way. But the narrow way 
What are we going to do about the narrow way when the enemy starts pushing? Yeah. Now, I'm going to mess with y'all, okay? I'm still Nehemiah 4. Don't. What are we going to do when the enemy starts pushing? Pastor, what do we do on the narrow way if we get there and there's roadblocks in the middle? What, what are we going to do if they build a fortress in the middle of the narrow way? What are we going to do? I want to tell you that I believe God is teaching us to reposture ourselves with spiritual warfare in the end time. I pray it all the time. I wish I had a dollar for every time I've prayed it. I pray the whole armor of God. I believe in it. I love walking through the whole thing. Lawrence girt about with truth, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit in my hand, which is the word of God. Above all, everybody say above all. Taking the shield of faith, wherewith I shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. This is above all. This is a literal above all. It means it's covering all. It's a big shield. It's not a little, uh, what's that guy, missed, what's the dude called with the star on it? Uh, yeah, I know he's been watching them now. <laughs> I'm just playing. Captain America. He's got his little shield running around. Man, I just teed that up. I'm sorry. And uh, uh, this shield is above all. It's above all. This is a this is a big shield. It's more like a door than it is a little shield. It's something that we work. And I'm going to tell you what the enemy has done. This is the shield of faith. Somebody say faith. faith. Faith was the first thing to fail the warrior because it was so heavy. That shield was the first thing to fail them. It was so heavy. It's so big. You can't, you're not real nimble. You can't move real well. It's too big. It's too heavy of a thing. You hide, hide behind it. And after a while, you get tired of fighting, and so you just cast it to the side and you run. But here's what I want you to understand about this. The Lord told Simon, he said, I've prayed for you that your faith, that your faith fail you not. And when you read it from that perspective, you get this idea of, Peter, I can't afford for you to be casting your faith aside right now. There's a lot of pressure that's getting ready to come against you. In the next few days... You're going to stand before people and you're going to have an opportunity to walk away from me. You're going to have an opportunity to deny me, son, but I'm praying for you. Satan desires you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that you don't cast your faith aside, that you don't, you don't fail in your faith. And so what, what we've got now is we've got this picture of the 21st century church. And we're all armored up. And I'm pleased that no pastor's not being ugly to you tonight, but God's got to reprogram our minds the weapons of our warfare they're not carnal they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and 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 the enemy has drawn us this picture we've got the mightiest army that has ever been seen we're decked out in a raid from the top of our head to the soles of our feet but most most of the time if you find us we're hiding behind our faith and we're quenching the fiery darts of the wicked and calling it warfare. Hey, I'm still here. 25 years. Had the Holy Ghost 25 years. I'm still here. Have no dominion. Haven't conquered any strongholds in my life. But I, when the doors come open while I'm there. Just hiding. Hey, pastor. I still believe the doctrine. Still got it. I want to tell you that Jesus gives us the most powerful preview concerning warfare that you could imagine. He's talking to Peter, same guy, 
And he says to him, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Listen. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If we just take this as, as what he's saying, okay? The gates of hell shall not prevail. Anybody in here see gates moving against people a lot? Anybody ever went in, into somebody's yard and the gate from the backyard just runs to you? It don't happen, does it? Why? Because gates don't move. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. What that means is you're, ne you're never going to have to worry about it if you're just standing back waiting on the gate to come to you. He said there's going to be some combat. There has to be combat and the gates of hell are not going to win. If we're going to conquer gates, it's not going to be hiding behind a shield of faith and standing decked out from head to toe. We're like, we're like the, 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 the guys in the little peninsula over there in Asia that have medals that hang down to their belts and have never been in a war. Like, how'd you get those? I mean, how, how many battles have you fought and your, your old chest is covered? Now, listen, it's going to sound like I'm being ugly. I don't know how else to do this. And, and we talk about these old soldiers of the cross, these old soldiers of the cross. Listen, I'm going to tell you, soldiers fight. Soldiers don't stand around and wait for the enemy to come to them. Mm. You, you, you can all be seated. The soldiers don't stand around and wait. The soldiers figure out they are wise to the enemy's devices. And they know where the enemy is going next. And so they don't wait for the enemy to come in and destroy their family. They look down the road and say, if that enemy's going to come at my family with adultery, then I'm going to seal my family off right here and right now. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against us. We got to be wise to his devices. I'm not standing in this pulpit trying to preach a pretty sermon and just hope the devil don't come against me. I'm serving notice tonight on every plot, ploy, and plan of the enemy. And I'm declaring that no weapon you form against this church is going to prosper. So Nehemiah is... He's building the wall, doing the right thing, doing the will of God. And I'll be if the enemy didn't get mad and start mocking them. And, and uh, I'm going to have to correct my false doctrine. Because they didn't have a general board meeting. They didn't get together and talk in a discussion panel eight, eight weeks long. He spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end of the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps? Of the rubbish which are burnt. Listen, I'm going to tell you all something. I love this. I wish I had time to preach this. This is really a sermon in itself. Everything he's saying about them, he's trying to mock them. But it's true. The enemy is prophesying over them. That these people, he, already, he knows what they're doing. 
These people are getting ready to dig their hands in the heaps of the rubbish of everything that we've already burned down. And they're going to find something in there that they can revive and build a wall. Listen, let the devil mock you. Let the devil talk to you. Let the devil say anything he wants to say. Because all he's doing is prophesying to you. Somebody in this place is about to find something in the rubbish of yesterday that you're going to rebuild with power and passion. Hey, I'm reaching for somebody tonight that laid your ministry down in the heaps of rubbish. Go pick it up. Go get it. By the Ammonite was by him, and he said he thought he'd be cute too. You can just see him kind of chuckle. <laughs> you know what they're going to do? It's so weak that if a fox walks on the wall, it'll break it down. Okay, here comes the lesson we can't lose. I gotta ask you. I gotta ask y'all this: How many of y'all like to use logical deduction? Okay. I'm just going to step out on a limb here. If the wall is going to be so weak that a fox could break it down, why are you so worried about it? Is what I'm saying making sense? They're going, oh, man, I hope they don't build this wall. And then they start getting, yeah, because even if a fox gets up there, it's going to break it down. And So why are you worried? If this message we have is so weak why are they so worried about it those Pentecostals are so weak if one little storm comes through they're going to blow that thing down then why are you fighting and why are you worried about it like the, the, three, the three little piggies, you know. Ooh, I'll, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Okay. But you got to understand, this ain't just any old church. Can I preach to you tonight? It's been through the flood and it's been through the fire. But great God Almighty, the fire didn't burn it and the flood didn't turn it. I'm talking about the old time ship of Zion. It's the church of the living God. Let the enemy mock. Let the naysayers mock. But they've already prophesied it. The wall is going up and we're going to build this thing. pastor when the enemy starts pushing what do we do when the enemy starts mocking good question let's see what they did verse 4 here oh our God here comes that shallow answer again what should I do pastor I'll pray about it no that's not that's not going to work 
I think it might. Listen. The enemy's always trying to stop things that are productive. Why did they not want Daniel praying three times a day? And why did Daniel just keep praying three times a day? It's the power of prevailing prayer. The enemy's been pushing harder than he's ever pushed. Been mocking us, been making fun. What are we going to do here, oh, our God? For we are despised. Turn their reproach. Can y'all just help me read this right here? I can't even hardly preach this right. Take everything they've said against us and put it on their own head. Say anything you want to say about me, devil, because every bit of it is about to be turned right back on you. And God's going to put it on your head. Go ahead and mock us. Go ahead and laugh at us. It's Wednesday night, but I'm about to have a Holy Ghost runaway in here. Cover not their iniquity. Let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. They provoked who to anger? Why did they provoke the Lord? Because they're doing the will of the Lord. When you're doing the will of God, oh God, I want to paint this picture so bad. When you're doing the will of God and the enemy thinks he's poking you, Nehemiah said, he just thought he was prodding us, but he's provoked you because I'm doing the will of God. And whenever I'm doing the will of God, there's a realm of distinction and I'm hidden behind the cross and he can't even get to me. So say what you want to say. You're just provoking my daddy and you don't want my father mad at you. So they, they prayed, and then they sat and waited on the Lord to come through. Don't look, don't you read your Bibles right now. I'm trying to preach to you. Okay, Lord, now, you got us in this mess, so you get us out of here now. We've sought you, God. Why haven't you moved? Here comes the picture. I don't know if we like this part or not. I might not get one person to shout or slobber or run or nothing. There's some things that only God can do. And there's some things he expects us to do. Verse 6. So we built the wall. We didn't stop building because we prayed. Well, pastor, I just turned it over to Jesus. And I said, Lord, did this one, you handle this one. Oh, man, I wish I had time to dig this one out. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. 
He built the wall so I didn't have to, bless his holy name. No, he didn't. You said, Lord, you fight my battles and I'll build the wall. Pastor, why don't some of this stuff get you up? Like, why don't some of this stuff just, like, aren't you ready to go wring somebody's neck? No, I'm not. I'm not. Because I'm going to let the Lord fight that. They're provoking him, not me. I'm going to let the Lord fight that. And I'm going to keep on working. And I'm going to keep on building. Oh, mighty God. All right, I'm almost done. I got to hurry. We built the wall. The wall was joined together into the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. The people. Somebody say the people. The people had a mind to pray and then the people had a mind to work. Here's the picture you get from verse 6. They start building the wall. They work all the way around. They're building the wall. They're building the wall. They're building the wall. And now the two halves come together and the wall has been built. In other words, we've got the full circumference of the city. Now the wall has come together. Verse 7, please. But it came to pass. Always does. That when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up. Listen, it's still, still. They were okay with the wall being finished and the two halves coming together. But what really frustrated them to death is when the breaches began to be stopped. Whoa, God, I wish I had time to preach this tonight. Listen, walls were not built to beautify the city. They were built to protect the city. So just because we throw up walls and tell the world we're separate, but our walls are full of breaches, all we're doing is impressing people with our self-righteousness and we're still letting anything that wants to walk in and anything that wants to walk out come in. Oh, God. I might have to sit down and preach this. It's so good right here. Listen, the enemy is not intimidated by a wall that he can still walk through any time that he wants to. Here's the spirit of the age in the 21st century church. Let's get the wall so that people that drive by see the wall. But let's build a hedge over here. Some bushes in front of this breach. I'm not real worried about the breach. And there may be a time. There, I mean, who knows? There may be a time we want to recant on this. And some of us may want to come and go as we please. The enemy was frustrated when they started. Didn't like it. The walls got built and they're like, oh man, these people are hard-headed. But there was one morning that the sun came up. Oh God, I feel such a Holy Ghost rush coming on me right now. There was one morning when the sun came up and Samballot and Tobiah and their men came to the wall at sunrise and they were going to pass through where they went through yesterday. 
And he's feeling a long voice. He said, ah, boys, I could have swore that yesterday. It's, it's got to be right here somewhere. And they find themselves all the way to the corner. And they're like, how did we miss that? Let's go back. And they're feeling, I could have, yesterday, I walked through here. But before sunset last night, somebody got the idea that what came in yesterday ain't coming in tomorrow. I don't want to just have a church that's got big, beautiful walls. I want a church that has sealed off the enemy from walking in and wreaking havoc. Oh, God, let us close the breach. 